been a very special morning here <laughs> at uh, Cafe Vivo in the heart of Sydney. This in is, the Eagle Way is Millennium Noggin, this otherwise is the, known as the Under the Bar Podcast. The Under Studio. the Bar Podcast, Tom Hewitt, Rodden Dubois. Cam's here, as he always is. Cam who? What's his last name? The Wookie? No. Menagoni. <laughs> he's, he's, from, he's from Club Menagoni. It's a great little club out west there, you know, Bosley Park. Uh, they have the AMB Nationals out at Club Menagoni. <laughs> Wookie Menagoni, yeah. that's very funny. Well done, mate. Let's, uh, add that one to Get the list. Get that on a t-shirt. Write it down. Now, mate, we've um, decided to do a little uh, an episode here today. Mm. Basically, consistent listeners to the podcast would mm. know we've got Broderick Chavez, the evil genius, coming mm-hmm. out here mm-hmm. in just a couple of weeks' time now. Sydney... Saturday the 7th of April and then Brisbane Saturday the 14th of mm. April with Kynwin with Kynwin yes b- his better half the, the lovely Kynwin twice and, the size of Broderick and we're in conjunction with uh, Flex Success yep Dean McKillop Lizzie and uh, anyway so that's happening we know that mm-hmm. last week we recorded the pre-course material mm. which everyone gets access to because there's so much to get through on the day mm. we want to do the, yep. the evolutionary biology mm-hmm physiology yep. systems of the body mm-hmm. and then hormones of the system so yep. that everyone has a good idea and we're ready to start they got the mainframe mainframe they got the mainframe laid out uh we did that last week yep. and it mate i just feel we need to share some of that with the general listening audience yeah what's coming up yeah very exciting just, very it's, exciting it's such good content that we just decided we play some of that a snippet on the uh, on the show today some fascinating stuff about hormones of the body it's yeah. it's quality we don't want to give away all the yeah. secrets textbook like material mm. it's just gone through in a, in a wonderful fashion looking um, forward to that to get tickets to the seminar you go to evilgeniusdownunder.com mm-hmm. and all the information will be there uh, so that's Very exciting. pretty much all we need to do in this little juncture here. Yep. Uh, Menegoni. <laughs> if we can have a sting, please. <laughs> he doesn't really like it. No. <laughs> now, Rorden. Hey, we paying the big bucks. You're looking um, in better condition than you, you were seven days ago. <laughs> your, your eye's not quite so bloodshot. Yeah. The mood, Bugging out of my head. Yeah, the mood not so... Uh, Sombre. Downtrodden. Yes, trampled. <laughs> You've been away the weekend uh, at the Arnold's. Mm. So do you want to give us a bit yeah, of feedback yeah. on how that was, mate? Uh, very exciting time of the year. Big, big... Uh, I guess that's the the pinnacle. That's the, the, the Olympia. Mr. Olympia of uh, yeah. the local industry, anyway. That's pretty much the big one that, that uh, most of my athletes are aspiring to compete in. I was disappointed uh, I couldn't be there, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we well, could have tried Dovies and ripped the, sh- the other shoulder out, <laughs> yeah. you know. If you've tried really hard like we were last time. Uh, but yeah, really, really exciting weekend. I had, uh, I think I had six, six or seven. Uh, I think I had six here, seven, the seventh was in Sydney. So, okay. um, uh, so yeah, I had six down there and we had, uh, so it's a, I guess, down there for four days. So I flew down there Thursday morning, helped with Rego, got all the, the guys registered, which was absolutely seamless. And then uh, we had the, the, the Friday, which was all the female divisions. Yep. So we had um, we had figure, we had uh, women's uh, figure, physique, and uh, bikini uh, divisions, which is a tough gig. Judging yeah, the bikini yes, girls. of course, of course. You know, yeah. so the, the box gap pose, you yeah. know, it's a tricky one to judge. Yeah, very difficult. Had to difficult. keep asking for them to do it again. But, <laughs> but yeah. it's surprisingly hard. It, it, like, bikini is... is freaking hard to to judge like bodybuilding yeah you can tell who's the most jacked and who's the best put together but uh bikini is a little more subtle mm. so it's a, it's a harder one to judge but that was all f- uh friday then saturday we had the uh the pre-judging for the um bodybuilding classes so yep. we had uh, novice juniors and um and then down to 70s under 80s up to over 100s which was really exciting then we also had 
on the Saturday, because Saturday night was the pro show. And um, you asked about who won the pro show. I'll tell you about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that freak, uh, Roly, Roly Winkler. But uh, we had the, which was absolutely amazing to see them in the flesh. But the pro bikini and pro figure athletes from the U.S., okay. fresh from the Arnold's in Ohio. Um, yeah, these 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 women are mind-boggling how just how well they're put together and how amazing they are on stage. And mm. obviously, a lot of the amateurs here in Australia are, are, are very high standard, but. Uh, you know, compared to these, the best in the world, it's like wow. You okay. know, they they really are just genetic freaks of the yeah. of, of the sport. You know, right. so I saw the pro pro uh, pre judging for the uh, bikini and uh, figure pros from the US, which was really cool. Then then uh, the rest of the, the the bodybuilding classes resumed. So that was uh, Saturday, and then Saturday night the pro show where uh, the guy that you said oh, there's some big massive freak win it. He was huge apparently, and that was Roller Winkler. He won, beat uh, William Boniak and uh, Dexter Jackson was third, and then. We had um, a couple of uh, Aussies made their pro debut. So we had uh, Nathan uh, Williamson from um, uh, Melbourne and Sam Pierce from uh, Queensland. So mm. those guys were up on the stage. Really awesome to see some some Aussie talent getting up there. Uh, so that was really exciting. I managed to get tickets for that because uh, the IFBB Pro League uh, invited us along. So all Very myself nice. and all the other judges got a ticket. So that was really really cool. Yep. And then uh, Sunday was the the finals uh, for all the the bodybuilding categories and um, and the uh, men's physique and uh, classic physique, a new di- new division uh, that is uh, new to Australia, but it's it's uh, from the US NPC. Um, they uh, they were on Sunday, and then yeah, it all finished about six pm on uh, Sunday night. But mm-hmm. I guess the big point of difference was this is uh, the first pro league run uh, show Arnold Classic, so it was IFBB previously so last year was ifbb this yep. is ifbb pro league so mm-hmm. um some npc judges came out there was a uh, head head judge uh, uh steve weinberger came came out so it was really cool it was rubbing shoulders with him i was on the judging panel and uh you know asking why why he plays certain people ahead of others and uh so really getting insight into what he looks for so that yep. was invaluable for me as a as an aspiring amateur judge really cool and then when he left, uh, then ha- was had the pleasure of working alongside uh, IFBB Pro uh, Mo El Samawi, who is uh, basically the New Zealand uh, president for IFBB Pro League. So um, sitting next to him and again rubbing shoulders, hearing you know what he was seeing up on the stage and, and seeing if it compared to what I was seeing. So again, learning a lot from him. Uh, so for me, it was really humbling to be alongside those guys and uh, to get a good run on the on the judging panel. So I judged all, all three days. That was really yep. exciting. Big, big, big weekend because I still had to run my business around it. But, yep. um, but yeah, that 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 was, uh, and then all my athletes looked amazing and um, uh, better than when they were on stage last. Um, some placed, some yep. you know, some didn't, but they all looked really good and presented well. So I was really, and as a coach, that's all I that's ever asked for. That's all you can ask for. for. That's all you can I'm ask really, for. really, yep. and I don't put any places on my any of my Instagram yeah. uh, posts. I never tell anyone. Uh, yeah, I never say what they come. It's just hey, this is them at the Arnold's. Yep. So as long as they're a progression on when they're last on stage, genetics and, and the way judges judge are out of my hands. I can't mm-hmm. control that as long as we present the best physique we possibly can at that point yeah. in time. So, uh, yeah, that was yeah. all really good. All right, mate. Well, uh, better you than me. And, uh, <laughs> I'll that's, see you next year down yeah, there. Yeah, see me next year. Yes. Uh, let's have a listen to um, some choice excerpts from uh, the pre-course material for the Evil Genius Down Under mm. seminar with uh, Broderick Chavez. So those were a couple okay. of protein-based hormones. You mentioned a couple of those yep. cholesterol or fat-based hormones. Should we touch on a couple of those? Mm. 
We should. And I think even we might even want to take a little step back and before we do that, sex hormones, or as you know, Rodden was so fascinated with the yes. reproductive system, yeah. uh, <laughs> are cholesterol-based. And cholesterol, although it is not per se a hormone, it is definitely the precursor to all major sex hormones. And it is produced, well, it, it's also introduced via diet, although that vector is wildly overstated. Most of the cholesterol your body has and deals with is actually manufactured within the liver. And it is manufactured for that specific purpose, to be let loose into the bloodstream and for an assortment of enzymes, which we will cover in deep, deep detail, is then converted into testosterone and then ultimately into estrogen, DHT, cortisol, all these clever little sub-hormones that are going to do all the fun stuff we hope and pray that they do for us. But it all starts with that specific organ being the liver and that specific compound being cholesterol. So now we get cholesterol, it goes forth, and some clever shit happens, and we wind up with testosterone. I'm speaking in a male. The order of events is going to be a little different in females. It's easier to talk about men because we're actually, no surprise here, more simplistic creatures. Women are actually the original. Men are the copies. A lot of people don't get that. All in, in mammalian biology, all eggs actually start in the world as females, and they must be made males. And we're actually a bit more of a simplistic drone-like arrangement because women are responsible for the actual incubation of, of children. Uh, their biology is more than a little bit more complicated. So I'm going to talk in the context of males. Mm -hmm. uh, people can quiz me specifically about females when we're there. But for the context of this, men are a lot easier to talk about. So liver, cholesterol, testosterone. So we got this. The first major sex hormone component that's manufactured is testosterone. It is the masculinizing hormone. It takes even a child that's gone through the whole insulin growth hormone thing, they're maybe even full size. Maybe they're as big as they're going to be tall. Their bones, circumference, their foot, shoe size, all that, their head, they're big, they're grown. But they're kind of androgynous. They're not masculine. That's where the testosterone comes on. Mm -hmm. Some clever gene stuff clicks on. A lot of that is driven by body fat percentage. We'll get into that when we talk specifically. But moral of the story is it happens. The requisite organs start manufacturing testosterone. It enters the bloodstream. And it being dispersed through the bloodstream is a very systemic hormone. It's going to go everywhere. Mm -hmm. And when it gets to the head, it's going to have some impact on hair and facial hair. It's going to have some impact on the quality of skin, the texture of skin. Children have very soft, delicate, nubile skin, and the sheer presence of testosterone starts to toughen up their skin because as you adult, you're more likely to involve yourself in labor, combat, all these different things that require more durability. So these are traits that testosterone brings. It also brings the accumulation of muscle mass. We're going to focus on that very hard. It also upregulates the runs aforementioned and heavily focused on reproductive organs yes, it starts yes. to cause a development there mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh and an activation there so that as testosterone uh levels rise the ability and potential to reproduce rises mm -hmm. okay so testosterone mm -hmm. has all of those effects it also has enormous effects and they're much harder to quantify and much harder to explain but i'll, I'll just be super general it has effects on actual brain chemistry. It, again, if you think about the behavior and attitudes 
and general macabre of a child versus an adult. A lot of that elevation in person, confidence, sheer meanness, all of the things that come with being a grown-up and getting some credentials and car keys, uh, you, you get measurably more aggressive and elevated. An awful, awful lot of that is brought on by sex hormones, mostly testosterone, although estrogen is a major player as well, and we'll come to that in a second. So I think that's enough to give you a vague idea of liver, cholesterol, testosterone, and it's going to do a lot of shit around the way mm -hmm. in terms of masculinizing and kind of completing this building that you're building that is the adult human. Now, here's where things get interesting and clever, I think, is most of your sub-hormones then come either from that testosterone or are a consequence thereof. It's sort of a, again, when the body developed, you know, from that one cell to the many cells to the organs to the tadpole to the NBA star, it was always using the same template. It was always an augmentation of what already existed. It wasn't a reinvent the wheel and create a whole new thing. So with that concept, you have testosterone. Now it was simply a matter of if your body developed a couple of given key enzymes, it could tweak or adjust or truncate or augment and you get a new hormone. It was, you know, the ability to take this big, large, complicated raw material and make a more subtle sub-material. That's how we get estrogen. A simple enzyme comes online called the aromatase enzyme, which is manufactured in adipose tissue. That's actually relevant. We'll come back to it when we talk live. But as a female, for instance, would reach a certain body fat, it's then possible for that body fat to release this enzyme. This enzyme finds the testosterone, cleaves it, makes estrogen, and now estrogen can turn on the female reproductive stuff and that's one of the major factors of what, why and when women enter puberty is actually they start to produce testosterone early they don't produce the estrogen until body fat levels reach a certain level and that is the something I focused on early on as I said it's good for creatures to reproduce when the the, the food supply is a plenty the, the body actually built in a mechanism to measure that when body fat accumulations yeah. reach a certain level that's essentially a trigger that hey there's enough food out there to support two of us and yes. so then that enzyme can come online take the testosterone make it into estrogen generate female pubescence and then you've got the potential for making more people so this is all very tightly intertwined and contiguous and it's why it's in this cascade fashion that's fascinating, Brodick. And before you move on, is that why um, often you'll see younger females, certainly at school, and they they got what appears to be quite a lot of realization. They have the black hair on the face, and then when you see them, you know, a few years later, they all the you know the the mustache is gone and the beard have gone, and and the, 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 the well, you know, like not not quite a beard. They're not like Gandalf, but that is absolutely accurate in every way, and it also ties into why something we'll almost certainly talk about is why when female athletes drive their body fat levels to yep, certain yep, yep. low levels, yep. it can shut down via the exact same mechanism in reverse. It can yes. actually shut down menstruation and essentially try to prevent that creature from reproducing because it's interpreting the signals as there's no food in this environment. It would be a very bad idea to make more people. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Again, 
This is all happening through really complicated hormonal cascades, but the logic concept behind it is actually really simple. The body doesn't have cognizance. It can only interpret the signals, and if the signal is there's a lot of food, that suggests that there's room for more people. And if the signal is there's no food, then that's a signal that there's barely room for this person. And yeah. so a lot of this follows and flows forward from that concept. So back to where we were, we have testosterone, we have testosterone can then be converted into estrogen. And in a super general term, estrogen is kind of the polar opposite of testosterone. It is that which makes female. Um, it's a little more complicated than that because estrogen is actually really relevant to males and necessary, but in very small amounts. It's very valuable up to a given percent. You know, as long as the ratio is 100 to 1, everything's good. When it gets to 5 to 100, then things start to tilt out of control, and we'll talk about that when we deal with hormone manipulation. But estrogen is very relevant for men. It's absolutely unimaginably important to women, but Again, as I said, I want to focus on men simply because it's literally an easier conversation. But estrogen is kind of the polar opposite of testosterone, does a lot of the other stuff. It's actually also uh, very good for uh, our, our actual health, our cardiac health, uh, the, the health of our circulatory system, keeps our blood vessels and blood uh, arterial uh, pathways very flexible. Uh, most of the time you find that people that actually have coronary artery disease actually have either low testosterone and consequently low estrogen, or because of some quirk, just low estrogen. But estrogen seems to be the pivotal factor on keeping a nice, healthy vascular system. So ponder that next time you're thinking about how evil estrogen is. So anything more on them no, I think, specifically? I think that's good, man. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a, a heap of questions there already to bring up and expand upon on yep. the actual day. Excellent. Let's press forward. Yes, Should we go to some I'm of those? I'm really holding myself back here. These will all come up, and it is. This is uh, the beauty of, of your skill set, Broderick, is there's always an opportunity to ask more questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, Broad, should we move along to some of the stress hormones? Mm. Absolutely. Stress hormones in general largely fall under the heading of catecholamines. One that doesn't uh, is it's kind of actually a, a, a hormone without a, without a nomenclature. Adrenal hormones are not actually, or not, rather not adrenal hormones, but uh, thyroid hormones are not actually stress hormones. They're again like insulin, they are regulatory hormones. Uh, there's more than one of them. Most people just kind of blanketly say thyroid. There's actually, you know, T1, 2, 3, 4, and then there's actually little subheadings of all of them. It's not important you understand them, but what they are, you have a gland, a group of cells that have specialized into an organ in your neck that is your thyroid gland, and it releases systemically into your bloodstream a hormone that is, in a very general sense, you can think of the idle set point for your automobile. That is what thyroid does for you is it sets the basic running speed and temperature of you as an organism head to toe more thyroid you run a little hotter a little faster less thyroid you run a little slower a little colder uh, that's super corny and generic but it's actually what it does um, the consequences of it are enormous and the subtleties of it are beyond the scope of my abilities to explain, but that's in a general sense what it does. So it's super important, it's influenced by a lot of other things, but in general when you say thyroid, you're talking about adjusting the idle set speed of the creature. That that seem okay? Yeah, very good. Yes. So then 
we do have actual stress hormones. We have adrenaline, norepinephrine. We have, uh, for instance, lipase and glycogon. We'll stick with those. There are many others. There's corticosteroids like uh, cortisol. The ones I mentioned, for instance, uh, lipase is a hormone that when you overeat throughout the cycle of life, and it happens invariably in nature, it happens rather seasonally. In humans, it just basically happens to whenever you wander over to the big metal box full of food in your kitchen. But when you overeat, a portion of those calories can be stored as fats, as adipose tissue. Lipase is a hormone produced uh, essentially beside insulin by the same organ, interestingly, uh, that liberates fat from those stores and gets it into your bloodstream. The bloodstream can then wash it along to potentially fill in the fuel gaps during times when you're not eating sufficiently in your calorie needs. So it's a stress hormone, but much more, more of a subtle one, kind of a fill in the gaps feedback loop to supply energy when you're not eating it. Um, I also mentioned glucagon. That's a very similar thing, except instead of liberating stored fat, it's going to liberate stored sugar to counterbalance insulin's depressive effects on your blood sugar. Glucagon's going to subtly raise it, and there's always this interplay of one's pushing down, one's pushing up, and the hopes is you get kind of a smooth and even hole across time, uh, which is in general what happens, but it can certainly go wonky and, and sideways at times. But those are there. Uh, the major, when you say stress hormones, most of the time you're talking about adrenaline. And that is the ever-famous, over-dramatized fight-or-flight hormone. It became necessary for some sort of a, a supercharging mechanism that under times of great stress, and meaning great stress like predator trying to bite your ass, you know, <laughs> actual, real serious, momentary big time stress that if you don't overcome the next 20 seconds the game's over so the body developed this hormone to save in reserve that was very powerful and basically was capable of overriding an awful lot of the safety mechanisms and parameters and momentarily get the machine to operate at peak abilities for very brief periods of time that's kind of generically what uh, adrenaline is. Think of it as kind of the, the nitrous oxide button on your car. And just like that nitrous oxide button on your car is every time you use it, you're a little closer to wearing out some important part of the car because it's, it's allowing it to run at super physiological levels, at super abilities for no matter how brief a time, super is the gateway to broken. So it is a stress hormone and it should ideally be very responsive to stress and that stress should be managed in the highest regard so uh we could talk about some of the specifics of how and where these things play and interact and how and and that whole fight fight or flight you know kind of supercharging thing comes into play oftentimes in athletics is that athletes can actually frenzy themselves to such a point that they engage that supercharging mechanism and they enjoy this excessive performance but then the consequence is they just overheated the machine they just ran the machine at at super levels and just like if you do that to your car it needs it needs an overhaul it needs some work done because you've overstressed things 
with that system, like you've got uh, a scenario where an athlete might be taking just one peak moment where adrenaline really surges and then there's other days where they might be competing over the length of the day and they're it's a big day and they're on edge for a long period of time mm-hmm. so are there level or mm-hmm. is there a spectrum as to how that system is on or off or how supercharged it gets absolutely you have you have something called the sympathetic nervous system and it is your nervous system your brain your brain stem and the wires associated with it are largely responsible for controlling that arousal, that fight or flight, that, um, again, because I said that the nervous system is responsible for very immediate but fine transmissions, there's essentially a hotline, one wire that goes through the brain from the panic button, there's one wire that goes right to that adrenal gland, and that way there's no delay in, you know, throw the put the message in a bottle, throw it in a river, and hope that you know the, the lion doesn't bite your ass before this thing circulates through and the adrenal gland goes, ooh, make adrenaline. So you have this hotline, and mm-hmm. it's right there. So you push the button, and almost instantly you get this release of adrenaline, and it can go forth and make all this magic. There's a couple of factors. One, the button needs a, a fairly long, it's a refractory period. There's a fairly long period of time till you can push the button again, kind of like the elevator. You can get the elevator to come with one push of the button, but then you got to wait until the whole interchange of elevators go up and down and whatever until there's a new elevator available. It doesn't matter how many times you push the button, it's not going to come any faster. That's mm. kind of what we have here. So there's only s- such you know, a certain period of time in which you could push the button, and then the severity of which you push it. If you push it like all the way and you get every last drop, <laughs> The period's going to be longer. If you just touch the button, the period's a little shorter, but it's very dependent on force a button pushed, and then there's a given set time before you can do that again. Perfect. Does that cool. kind of explain things? Absolutely. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Well, Rawdon, he stressed at uh, the start of all of that, you know, this was going to be a very sweeping, storybook-like, mm. mm. analogy-based mm. introduction. Almost over, like a fairy tale. Yeah, like a fairy tale <laughs> over some of these hormones. But uh, he just does a magnificent job of, of making you understand mm. how everything works from that big mm. picture perspective. Yep. And uh, he alluded to, you know, some of the things we'll expand on on the day and certainly yeah. for all of our uh, attendees. Uh, we'll ask them to submit any questions they have on the pre-course material and um, and tackle all of that during the day. But uh, yeah, look if not, that not has, to be missed. No, not to be missed. If it's wet the appetite, go to evilgeniusdownunder.com and uh, all the details will be there. So April seven, uh, Sydney. Yep. Uh, at uh, Giant Dwarf. Yes. Yes. And well then uh, little. Tokyo. Big trouble in Little China and on the Gold, Little Tokyo up in uh, Brisbane with. Uh, with uh, the Flex guys, mm-hmm. uh, and Flex will be down for the Sydney one as well. So yep. we're really awesome to be collaborating with those guys. Sounds good. Well, that's everything, mate. Have a good day. Well done. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Club Menagoni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye.